This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast where our mind is on our money and we have money on our mind. I'm Dish. I'm Andrew Page, and with me as always is Mr. Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Fools. Thanks always for listening. Today, we're talking about unemployment. It's low. It's very low, in fact, but underemployment is on the rise. What the hell is that, and does it matter? When was the last time you got a raise? Well, according to the latest wage figures, not many of us did over the past year, so we're going to dive into that as well. And we're going to do a quick tour of some of the more prominent results from this earnings season over the last week, we've had some pretty big numbers and some numbers that are perhaps smaller than what many people were looking for, and we'll dive into that as well. But first, Scott, unemployment, 5.7%. That's one of the lowest rates we've seen in years. Spectacular. Excellent results. Better than the boffins expected. There was a consensus guidance there of 5.8%. Okay, 5.7, 5.8, not a, great, not, a, not a great difference there, but overall, pretty good, right? Well, a good result, yes. Um, look, you know, it's hard to argue with an unemployment rate that falls, right? If you get the choice between up and down, we'll take down. That means more Australians in work, fewer Australians looking for a job. Frankly, mm. at an economy level, from a government level, it means less welfare being paid out. Mm. That's pretty much a tick, tick, tick in my book. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it, it, it's absolutely good. But here's the thing with economics and finance in general, is that there's so many data points. You can really pick what you want, pick and choose to suit the narrative that you want to go for. So I'm I'm here we in, go. I'm going to I'm going to go for a long run up here and be a little bit bearish if I can for a second. And you look below that headline number, we've had plenty of people saying, "Yes, that's pretty good, but that's pretty much entirely a consequence of more part-time work." So over the last 6 months, we've actually seen 22,000 fewer full-time jobs. Now, so you're going to try and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory absolutely. here. We've got a headline rate of 5.7% a spectacularly good unemployment number, and you're going to tell me it's actually bad news. I'm raining all over this parade. Oh, it's storming up the parade. I'm going to torrential downpour. <laughs> it's going to be a blizzard. Hit so me. so 22,000 full-time jobs lost. Turns out we've had 83-odd thousand part-time jobs created over the last six months. We've also seen some other interesting... That's good, right? More jobs? Well, so this is... So I, I, said at, I said at the top here, this idea of underemployment. Right. And just for those that aren't familiar, underemployment counts people who are in work, but would like to work more. So I might be working 20 hours a week because that's all the work I can get. But ideally, if given the opportunity, I would love to work 40 hours a week. So I am underemployed. Right. So, you know, for unemployment, you only you'd have rather, to work You'd rather work. be unemployed rather than underemployed. No, no, I'm really happy to have some so money So underemployment is good news still. It's good news, but it's about the trend. So right. underemployment has been on the rise. We've also seen um, things in terms of the average hours worked per person mm. is down. In fact, that's been heading down reasonably steeply for so the last decade or so. instead of working 60 hours a week, I'm working 50 hours a week. I'm pretty happy with that. You're happy with that. Everyone's happy well, with this that. Well, is, this, is, this is the key point. It's, it's whether or not you are happy with it. So right. if you're working two hours of, you know, a year and you're happy with that, you're not underemployed. You're, you're, you're absolutely employed. If, if you would like to be working more, then you're, un, then you're underemployed. And so what, what the bears are really saying here is that it's really great that the unemployment rate is low. It's near enough to what economists would call full employment. You don't really ever get below 5%. When you say bears, when you say what, the bear, what you're really saying is here's what the professional pessimists are saying. <laughs> those those, people, those so, people who can't help but see, they, 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 they see a gold medal at the Olympics and say, well, you could have done better. It's a gold medal, but it's no, it's no Olympic record. It's an Olympic record. It's no world record. You could have done better, surely. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that really what's going on here? Well, mate, I, I think you've you got to hold yourself to a high standard, don't you? You've got to look. 
look for, for some, you know, um, positives, but you've also got to be aware of the negatives. And again, yeah. this is more just for the debate. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely open to having my mind changed here. But if you look <laughs> to an economy where, you know, especially in the mining states, you've got WA, you've got Queensland, a, a lot of the miners, they're on some pretty good pay there for a long time. They've lost their jobs. They've moved on to more of a part-time basis. Right. We're working less per person than we would ideally like to. Yep. Does 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 that not say that there is a, there's a bit of a wrinkle in that headline number? Yeah. Look, I think that's fair. Look, you know, uh, listeners, Andrew and I are, are far closer than uh, this this argument or this discussion might suggest. Hmm. Um, you are right. Given our druthers, we would absolutely have more people employed doing more hours or as many hours as they wanted to, mm-hmm. more importantly. Yep. That would absolutely be the goal for the economy to be the goal for policy setters and the whole box and dice. I think that's absolutely true. I think there's two things for me that I would, I, two points I'd make. The first is that we have gone through an enormous structural change in the Australian economy, an enormous structural change. Mm. I don't really think most Australians realize how incredibly lucky we are to have A, had a, had a mining boom during the GFC, yeah. and then B, be able to get ourselves out of this mining bust, which it's absolutely been a bust. Make no mistake. There has been a mining bust. We've got out of it and actually seen unemployment fall. I think, yeah. you know, you know, in any other yeah. circumstance, if you'd have said to somebody in 2008, here's what's going to happen, or 2007, yeah. the economy is going to go through an almighty crash, what the Americans call the Great Recession, a, mm. a downturn that really, you know, is effectively the, the worst thing the world economies face since the Great Depression. Mm. Mm. And we do okay. Then if we have, we're going to have our biggest, you know, growth industry. Mining was responsible for something like three quarters of GDP growth yeah, during huge. the boom years. Yeah. Three quarters of the growth. Yeah. And yet we're still getting GDP growth. We're still getting unemployment falling further. Mm. Could, could the numbers be better? Always and forever. Mm. Is this a spectacularly good result given the circumstances? I, I have to think it is. And so I guess given the choice of saying, you know, yes, could, things could be better. Yes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Is this, is this a good situation? Absolutely. It is a great situation. So, you know, I, I think sometimes we need to just be a little bit careful that we are not you know, not, not, not snatching, as I said, defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm. Yeah, point well made. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about wages. So we've, again, we had another bit of economic news out over the week and it turns out that uh, private sector wages, if, if you are in the private sector, on average, the wages were up about 2% over the year. It doesn't seem too bad, but that's actually the lowest pace of wage increase since 1998. That's near on 20 years or 18 years of, you know, of the lowest rate. Is, is that another pointer of weakness? Oh, seriously. Why, so, gonna, why so negative? I'm try. Why so negative? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. Um, you'd be getting free drinks and you'd be unsafe. You'd get two. <laughs> Look, yeah. So, so again, let, let's, let's pass the numbers. Um, Again, it's one of those situations where you say, well, it's the best in three years, but it's not as good as it could be. And that's both of those statements are absolutely true. And it it comes down to some degree and to some significant degree to exactly what you're looking at and what you, what what you see when you look at these numbers. Um, And again, it comes down to what camp you fall in. Mm. There's so many economists, so many commentators these days who see GDP numbers that are strong and say, well, it's not what I'm seeing, so the GDP numbers must be wrong. Or look at the unemployment numbers and say, well, it could be more. There's too much underemployment. You can find negatives anywhere. And frankly, you could equally, and they could equally criticize me and say, well, you're looking only at the positives, ignoring the negatives. Mm. There is truth in both of those things. Let's Mm. let's be really clear. Mm. Mm. Right now, look at the numbers and say, you know, we are... We've got the best in three years. You know, yeah. things are on the improve. Are they brilliant? No, absolutely not. Um, those are real wage numbers. Well, so they do so, take sorry, no, I, I started with the absolute. The real, no, let, me, let me let me backtrack to you. Okay. Sorry, just to interrupt for a second. So yes, we've, we've seen the lowest wage uh, growth 
in in since 1998 on in real terms. So that's when that's when inflation gets factored into it as well. We know that we're in a very low inflation environment. We actually saw real wage growth of about 0.6 percent. Now that is the highest in uh, about three years, um, but it is below the longer term trend. So again. What do you want to say? Do you want to say, yeah. hey, we've had the best real wage growth in three years? Or do you want to say, ah, we're still well below trend? Look, I think this is, you know, it depends on what you, we always say it depends, right? When it comes to all of these numbers, all of these assessments, all of these measures of success, it, it, it's, it's one of those situations where you've got to look at the alternatives and look at the situation. Mm. Are we in the best possible situation? No, we're not. Frankly, though, by the way, remember, of course, that like we say about the share market, and certainly Warren Buffett says, you pay a high price for a cheery consensus. In mm. other words, when everything is fantastic, everyone piles on, and that's exactly the wrong point. Mm. If you're looking at the long-term trend and saying it's below trend, that's true. If you're looking at the long-term maximums and saying it's below that, that's absolutely also true. Mm. Given the circumstance, though, we have absolutely no reason to complain and whinge and carry on. And that, that's, my, that's my concern, I think, is that a lot of people, maybe even most people, are looking at some of these numbers and saying, gee, things are tough. Things are, you know, things are terrible. Yeah. And I guess that's true. Things aren't as good as they have been in the past or they could be now. That's absolutely unquestionably mm. true. But again, do we really have that much to complain about? I just, I just don't see it. You know, yes, wage growth could be higher. But you know what happens when wage growth gets too high? We end up with inflation going right. up. When inflation gets too high, what happens? We end up in a, in a, in a bubble. Yep. What happens? The RBA raises rates. We all say, oh, Hang God, on. rates have gone up. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So you've really got to be careful and say, yeah. you know, what do you want? If you, if you ask me the question, what do I want? The answer is I want a sustainable economy mm. with sustainable levels of growth, levels of activity, all that mm. kind of good stuff mm. that gives us over time a really successful long-run economy. Mm. I want to smooth out the booms and the busts. I want to make sure that we don't have the situations like GFCs and the like. We end up with these sort of positions. So could things be better? Yes. Could things be worse? Yes. Is that probably about the best spot you want to be? Well, <laughs> yeah. maybe we're a bit below average. Maybe you could do better. But I'm pretty happy to see slow and steady winning the race rather than trying to be the hair of racing ahead a million miles an hour, causing a whole lot of economic overheating. Yeah. And we end up, by the way, with what's Paul Keating said, the recession we had to have. Mm. Get to that sort of circumstance, yeah. you're going to be wishing you had days like today. Okay. It's all about me, of course, though. So with these data and, you know, or anyone listening here, does that mean that like a, a pay rise is off the cards for me this year? For you personally? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe a pay cut. Well, now you mentioned it. We'll, we'll talk after the <laughs> okay. podcast. All right. And look, I think, you know, the, the other thing that we haven't talked about, and without we're getting too much in the economic weeds, because this is probably already turned off, what's missing from the conversation thus far is, is a productivity conversation. Yeah, right. And realistically, a lot of Australian employees, if you're, if you're an employee, you're saying, well, prices went up, I want a wage rise. Your employer is saying, well, tell me exactly why I should give you a pay rise. Mm. Well, because mm. the cost of living has gone up. Well, if you're not adding more value for your employer, they're going to say, dude, I appreciate the offer, but mm. I'm not making any more money out of you. Why would I give you more money? Yeah. Now, maybe the wage market you know, justifies that. Maybe he's going to lose you if he doesn't give you a pay rise. So yep. that's one thing. Mm. The productivity outcome is, is really, really important. So at the end of the day, you know, a business is going to give you more, more money if you can justify your worth. And if you can deliver more per input, whether that's hours worked mm -hmm. or computers used or mm -hmm. machines used, whatever it is, um, than would have otherwise been the case. And so mm. productivity remains the important part of this economic question. And frankly, out of all the stuff we've talked about today, the productivity numbers are the ones that concern me far more than anything else. And that is... If we can find a way to get economic growth back into the economy by being smarter, doing more with less or more with the same, that's exactly what we should be doing. And that mm. remains the challenge for our economy. Mm. It, when we're competing with low-wage competitors like the Asian countries, Africa increasingly, 
you know, we mm. can't have lower wages. We've got to be smarter. We've got to do better. Mm. We've got to make more with the inputs that we have. We've got to use our time, our effort, our, our materials, our labor to generate more and more and more ac- economic activity. And so that really is the missing bit for me. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Scott, let's talk. Move on? Let's talk stocks because we're we're still in the middle of uh, reporting season, and we had, uh, as usual, a real mixed bag over the last week. Let's start with the one that really, you know, it's important, don't you, when the the, the news starts reporting on a company outside of the finance section, and that's <laughs> that's exactly what we saw over the week with BHP's results, oh. the big Australian. The biggest loss. The smaller Australian. The, well, $8.3 billion smaller in terms of their profit. With that, a B. That was a huge hit over the year. Astonishing. Now, no great, no great surprise as to why that's the case. We've seen commodity prices come crashing down. But a good deal of that $8.3 billion is mm-hmm. in what you would call a non-cash write-down. It's an adjustment to the balance sheet. So therefore, it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> it, so it, It's a real loss, isn't let, it? Let, let's unpack this. Okay. So yeah, BHP basically said, you know what, guys? Things kind of suck right now. Mm. Um, commodity prices are low. We know that. Volumes aren't growing particularly fast. We know that. Mm. If you're selling a little bit more than last year, but you're getting a whole lot less money for that, yeah. you are going to struggle. So revenues yeah. are falling. That's a real loss to the business. That's a real... Mm. You're simply getting less cash in the door. The cash register rings, but when it rings, there's less coins going into the into the pocket. Yep. If I can mix my metaphors like that. Okay. Um, to, to the actual, to your point about the, the write downs, what happens is a company says, well, you know, all these assets we said we had over here, all these things that we've got businesses and mines and big diggers. And, and in this God case, it was what. largely sort of oil and gas sort of related assets. Correct. Wasn't it? So, yep. so think about, you know, uh, oil rigs, um, you know, that kind of good stuff. Drills, yep. We've got yep. all these, all these things. They're all of a sudden not worth what they used to be worth. Who says? Well, this is the, fa- this is the thing. So this isn't so much about the, the rigs themselves. Mm. It's more about, in this case, the value of the businesses they've bought from other people in the past. Okay. So they're taking so- all, of these, all of these businesses. They, they said, look, they paid. Let, let me give you an example, Andrew. Let's say I buy from you a business that sells newspapers. Okay. Right? And I say, I'm going to pay you a million dollars for that business. Yep. And that generates a certain amount of profit. Yep. Next year, I've got to put that million dollars on my balance sheet without yep. getting into the Weeds, don't worry, listeners, stick with us. I, I say that's an asset, right? Yep. So I paid you a million dollars for the business. The business is owned by me, therefore, got an asset worth that million dollars. Yep, spitting out money. Unfortunately, yep. everyone knows newspaper sales are falling through the floor. Mm. So next year, I'm only selling half as many newspapers. Mm. And my my finance guy, and more importantly, my auditors, yep. look at that and say, well, you know how you reckon that newspaper business is still worth a million bucks? Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, it's not worth a million bucks anymore. In fact, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't sell dollars. it for a million bucks. You need to adjust that on your balance sheet. You got it. So yeah. basically, the thing I think I owned, in the yeah. past, I would have said to you, I had a business worth a million bucks. Right. You would have gone, great, that's fantastic, Scott. Yeah. This year, the auditors say, that business you own that was worth a million, now only worth half a million bucks. You've got to write down, they call it, you've got to write down the value of that on yep. your balance sheet. Yep. You've got to acknowledge, basically put your hand up and say, yeah, you know that business I, I paid a million bucks for was well, not worth that anymore. And now, that, that's, that's the a, thing, isn't it? I mean, that's that's what a write down is. It, it is easy to dismiss it as non-cash because there's no, there's no physical cash going out the door in this scenario. But it really says, you know, you've overpaid. It, it, it reflects a, a malinvestment, if you like, in the past where Correct. you paid too much for something and now you've got to account for that. Correct. And, and this is where it gets a little bit tricky. So the loss is a, is a, is a real loss, but it's only really a paper loss because mm-hmm. the money was spent last year or the year before or the year before or the year before. Maybe it was spent 10 years ago. The money has already gone out the door. Mm-hmm. So right now, if you bought a business with a certain amount of cash and a certain amount of you know, diggers and, and oil rigs, they, those haven't changed. Mm. The amount of money you made in real cash hasn't changed. Mm. 
you've got to reflect a very, very large in BHP's case, right down on the books. You've got to say this business is worth a whole lot less. Now, mm. the no money leaves the business. No mm. cash goes out the door. Mm. So you don't really lose any money. What it does say is you made a bad blue in the past. Yep. You made a mistake. Now, your business is worth less than, than what it's being carried for. In, the in BHP's yeah. case, it was the previous management. So current management can reasonably rightly mm. say, well, guys, don't blame me. This is kind of, it, it happened and it's real, but it wasn't my fault. Don't, don't penalize me. Don't tell me I'm a bad manager. I'm a bad company. Yep. The company I'm running is a great business. Look, and look, have a look at this. So that's all, that's what's going on. The question you have to ask is, as an investor, is that genuinely in the past or is this a pattern of ongoing activity that really is going to keep costing you money over time? And would, that's the question you need to answer because that the future prospect of these sorts of things is what you really need to look out for. Well, this is, this is, and I'm, I'm glad you raised it because this is what was interesting about it. $8.3 billion loss, the biggest loss ever for the, for the big Australian. And what did shares do? Well, here's the they, thing. They went up, <laughs> right? And, and this is, so... Partly, this is the thing about write-downs. The reality was that there was a massive loss, but the market expected it because it knew what was going to happen. And they cut the dividend. Yeah. And so this is, <laughs> this is where, you know, yeah. and, and taking it back to, 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 you know, to earnings season, the market values companies not on what it delivered last year, what company wanted to deliver last year, what it delivered this year. Mm. The market looks forward and says, what happened? What did I expect? And what's going to happen in the future? Yeah. And for the company, it really is saying right now, here's the scenario we've got. We've got a situation where the market knew that Prices were terrible. Mm. The market knew these assets were probably worth less than BHP had already yeah. paid for them. They're probably going to cut their dividend. And it yep. knew those things. And yep. so all, all, all the market's saying is, what changed versus what I expected? And the answer was, actually, not much changed. Okay. In fact, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So when the market already expects an $8.3 billion loss, yeah. you know there's something different. And, and, and it was more or two about you know, what, what their plans for the future. I mean, ditching this idea of paying the dividend no matter what is yep. good. Um, uh, and they're, they're really focusing down on, on what they do. You've got to remember, these guys have some of the best assets, probably the best mining assets in the world. Yep. And, and this is a company that'll be around in, in 20 years' time. If you look at the BHP story, this is a question of investors who in the past paid too much money for a business. So, you know, yes, the problem came home to roost now. It came home to roost this year. But the money was wasted a whole long time ago. And so when people like us were saying, stay away from the miners, BHP was 38 bucks. And we said, stay the hell away from BHP. And it was 30 bucks and it was 20 bucks. And people were saying, when are you finally going to, going to buy shares in this thing? And we kept saying, not yet, because the business is fundamentally a, I won't say a broken business, but it's a business in a lot of trouble. It's a business that really has a lot of struggles and, and to make money in mining over time is incredibly tough. So you stay away from these sorts of businesses when they're overpriced. Back five years ago, when they overpaid for these assets, we looked at that and thought, they're paying too much for these mm. things. The market didn't reflect that price until now. This is the difference if you're an investor looking at the market, looking at businesses and saying, do I really think BHP can pay record prices for these assets and be okay? Well, if prices were high and stayed higher, yes, probably. But right now, we weren't in that sort of situation. Back then, sorry, we weren't in that situation. Right now, we're seeing the impact of that. By staying away at the time, the bad news, to your point, Andrew, is already baked into the price. Mm. The share price has almost halved since well, for over, what, 18, 24 months. Mm. You felt that pain of the write-down coming two years ago, 18 months ago, not today. You've already felt that pain if you held the shares then, that the real benefit was not buying at the wrong price at the wrong time. What I was going to say was interesting, and then we'll move on from BHP, was that in a way, I mean, these guys are price takers, right? They, they just have to sell their product at whatever the going rate is on the market. So it's very tempting to say, wouldn't it be great for BHP if the price of iron ore and oil and everything just shut up through, through the roof? Um, from a longer-term perspective, though, it's actually not what they want, right? I think this is the this is the challenge. Is is if you're a miner, you've got to keep digging holes, digging wells. You've got to keep doing the same things over and over again. And so, 
you've got to either buy assets or you've got to find assets. You've got to dig new mines. You've got to buy other people's mines. It comes down to how much you pay for the assets. And, and a clever miner, this used to be the BHP way, by the way. BHP really lost its way over the past five or seven years. BHP used to do exactly what they should have done, which is buy counter-cyclically. Yep. You buy mines when the price of the commodities are low. Yep. You buy oil wells when the price of oil is low. Yep. You take advantage of other people's distress and you buy it on the cheap. And then you make a whole lot of money when the prices rise yep. again. Yep. Generally, they're pretty cyclical. If you can invest cleverly when, when the cycle is against you yep. and then reap the benefits when the cycle is going your way, that's exactly the way to do it. Well, this is kind of my point. So if, if prices rise very quickly, a lot of those more marginal producers are going to stay in business. Whereas if prices sort of stay low, I mean, BHP are still making money at these prices, not the same amount of money they were, but they're still cash flow positive. And, and if, if prices remain tough, that's going to flush a whole bunch of extra capacity out of the system. And that means when the, when the dust all settles, they'll be there far fewer competitors. Um, there'll be less supply taken out. Prices will come up and that's really from a longer term perspective, what's far better for them. Yeah. Look, so think about, um, BHP's job is, and look, we've seen this in, in volume increases. So over the last couple of years, we had a massive arms race when it came to iron ore supply, for example, yep. where every man and his dog, and by that I'm talking about you know BHP, Rio, um, a, a South American company called Vale, um, and Fortescue, all produced an absolute truckload of iron ore. Mm. And as the price was falling, these guys were producing more and more and more and more because they were trying to make sure they could get profits in the door, they get volume in the door, knowing the price was going to fall. In fact, they contributed to that price fall. So this is a game where they basically said, well, prices are going to fall or we'll make them fall. Mm. We're just going to produce a heap of iron ore and try and make it up in volume, as they say. And we kind of laugh at that. But mm. that's what they did. Mm. In the meantime, pushing prices down, that puts, you know, BHP can take iron ore out of the ground at 20, 25, 30 bucks a mm. ton, maybe even less. Mm. Some of its competitors, the, the smaller guys in Australia in particular, they cost like 60, 70 bucks a ton. Yeah. So if you can drive the price and you put them out of business, yeah. what happens? We've got less competition. You get to jack the prices up. Let's turn to something a bit more positive here. And we've got uh, Webjet, which is a company everyone will know. And that had a spectacular result. Take us through that. A wonderful result. Let's keep it quick because we're running out of time, Andrew. But yeah, Webjet's result was excellent. They managed to get a whole lot more people to use the Webjet portal. This is a company that really has been under the radar of a lot of investors, but it has something close to 50% market share of online travel bookings in Australia. Wow. Doing a spectacular job. It also owns the Zuji business that some of you may have seen online, basically in, only in Asia these days, yep. but Zuji it owns. I can't remember, bought off Expedia or Microsoft. I can't remember who it bought it from. Sure. Um, but it bought the Zuji business, doing a reasonable job of that. That's still a business in a bit of trouble. But it's also launched an aggregation site for hotels. So think about the what-ifs of the world. If you yep. used what-if, it basically puts a whole lot of hotels on one site, lets you choose. Yep. The, the Webjet started a business called Lots of Hotels. It does that overseas, doing it particularly in the Middle East and yep. Europe, um, doing a really good job of going to those hotel owners saying, hey, let us list your properties mm. on a business-to-business -business basis. Mm. We'll make that available to consumers and you'll make some money doing that. So it's a really, really clever company run by an entrepreneurial leader who's finding new opportunities. He's been in the industry for a long time, knows exactly what he's doing. Mm. The results are just going through the roof. They're getting more and more people to use its site. And the results are speaking for themselves. Because shares jumped 17% on the day of its earnings, Phenomenal. over $10 at one point. This is a $2 stock not that long ago. It's really been a success story. And frankly, one of those companies where people were pretty much predicting its death not long ago. In fact, I, I was amongst, not, I wasn't that, that bearish, but I, I was certainly- Oh, you're bearish. I was, I'm bearish on everything. <laughs> I, I, do, I was a bit concerned. I'm not that they, they've, they've got a lot of stuff going for them, but I just felt, and maybe this is still the case, that the, they are up against some absolute giants in this space, particularly from the US, deeper pockets, greater efficiency gains, all the rest of, you know, it's the internet, right? It's, a, it's an absolutely global market. And if you're competing against the likes of, you know, the big US guys, price lines, et cetera, 
Um, I always thought that they, they're just not going to be able to, they're going to be bringing a knife to a gunfight there from a, from a global competitive standpoint. But I know to this point, they've just kept on making every post a winner and they're doing phenomenally well. So my hat's off. Yeah. Look, they, they simply are being, you know what, if you're, if you're buying a business and you want to look at only, well, I'll say only one line of the P and L. If your company is remaining more relevant to more people more regularly, yep. you will do well yes. most of the time. Now, yep. you can still take a, a great business and, and destroy it by spending too much money or, yep. you know, there's, there's ways of destroying even the best business. Yes. But if you're attracting more customers year after year after year, you're being more relevant to more people, you're helping them solve their problems, you're doing those great things, that's exactly what you want to be able to do. So WebJet is simply finding ways to 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 please more customers. And if you can keep doing that, you'll do very nicely. That's exactly what WebJet are doing. And that's why the business is continuing to be successful. Yes, profit matters, debt, debt matters, a whole lot of other stuff matter. And profit matters a lot over the, over the medium and long term. But if you're remaining more relevant to more customers for more years in a row, the profits will eventually come. All right, we better wrap it up. Thank you so much for your time today, Scott. Pleasure, Andrew. Thank you. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Triple M's Motley Fool Money through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And of course, at triplem.com.au forward slash podcast. And if you like what you're doing, please give us a rating on iTunes and tell your friends. I'm sure they could use a little foolish straight talk too. Indeed. That's it for this week. Thanks again for your time. My name's Andrew Page and Fool On. Fool On. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.